Welcome to more about officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards One Australia Territory, host Captain Matt Rees is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Well, welcome and thank you for joining us on the podcast again. And we'd want to say thank you to those uh, that have uh, provided us with some VPAC, uh, which is always very helpful. As you know, the idea is that we would uh, be able to engage with you uh, as you engage with us in conversations as we explore ministry together. If you want to give us some feedback or if you've got topics that you'd like us to cover or you've got questions, go to the Facebook page, the Salvation Army Australia Candidates, and we will uh, follow you up. Anyway, I'm delighted today that we've got two guests with us in the studio, uh, Sonia Jeffrey and Andrew Crabe, Major Andrew Crabe and Captain Sonia Jeffrey. Um, thank you and welcome, and it's good that you've been able to join us today. Thank you. Thank you. One of the questions that comes up often for people as we explore the idea of ministry, or particularly full-time ministry, is what is it like to be a Salvation Army officer? So we'll we'll cover some of that off, but first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll start with ladies first. Sonia, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, how you ended up, where you've ended up. Grew up in Melbourne and haven't left Melbourne, actually, <laughs> and I'm still here in Melbourne. Home core? Home core Preston, uh, Melbourne Central, now Central Victoria Division. Um, grew up um, um, as very involved in the core and was a young leader in the core. Did lots of, lots of things in leadership from about 15 and then uh, got married to someone out of the core um, from another part of the country, Scott, who um, had salvo parents, her salvo parents, and he spent most of his time in Perth and sort of uh, hung around Perth Fortress. So after we got married, we started worshipping Box Hill salvos because none of us had any background there, I guess. And I started working for the army when I finished uni. Um, I was employed by the army first in 1994. Whoa. So how long goes that? Who can Whoa. do maths? 20, 23. Yeah, and yep. I have not stopped working for the Salvation Army since then. So um, I wasn't an officer then, but um, I've been an employee of the Salvation Army since then and have done lots of jobs for the army and um, became an officer Um as an envoy first in 2007, yeah. commissioned eventually in 2009. So, yeah, I've had a really a really unusual yep. journey to officership. Actually, as a side note, I remember Scott coming to Preston and he was the first person I ever saw drink a coffee out of a glass. Have I told you this story before? You have. Do you, do you now <laughs> drink coffee out of a glass, Matt? I do, but I sat, I, sat at, I sat there and thought, why is this guy drinking coffee out of a glass with a little serviette wrapped around it and all that sort of stuff? It was very, very delicate. So anyway, well, thanks for that. We, we're going to get into a lot more about some of the stuff you just covered then. But Andrew, what about you? What's your story? Yeah, I mean, my story starts in a place called Medina, now um, known in the army circles as Quinana in uh, Western Australia, and uh, is an interesting journey in lots of respects. I'd say I'm first generation Salvation Army, and my parents later uh, became uh, Christians uh, in, within the Salvation Army. Um, but a situation where the children next door took me to Sunday school at a very early age. 
um, later on in my teens, uh, moved and uh, at a early age again, uh, went to our uh, training college um, out of uh, what was Fremantle Corps. You were quite young when you went to college? I was. I, I actually say to people minus five because <laughs> otherwise it still makes me sound old even if you take off those years then. So, so how old were you? Literally just turned 19 when wow. I went to college. Okay. So what is it like being a Salvation Army officer? Obviously very different experiences, different um, – you worked for the Army, Son, for a long time. Yeah. So you're in the mix a bit – well, yeah. not in a bit, in a, a very big yeah. way. Yeah, and I worked in – I worked – on a THQ, I worked at Core. I worked at the Bridge Program. So, like, what, I did, what all, did you do at the Bridge? Um, I worked in detox. So I was okay. drug and alcohol counsellor. I worked at Bridge Haven. Yeah. Um, I worked at St Kilda Bridge, and then I worked at Box Hill Core as a youth pastor, and then eventually, eventually came. And you did divisional to youth? THQ, Is yeah, that right? as, or divisional as children's divisional, yeah, divisional children's. Yeah. Um, that was as an officer. Um, TYS um, as an envoy and have been in this role a couple of times. I've also been a core officer. So just all over the place, really. Yeah. Yeah. How do you describe it to people? If someone asked you the question, what is it like being a Salvation Army officer? How would I, you describe it? It's. I was going to say it's really ordinary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, a bit, bit more uplifting. Bit more. <laughs> <laughs> a bit more uplifting. <laughs> It just sort of encompasses everything that you do in your whole life um, because I think also because, you know, I'm, I'm married to someone who's not an officer. We have three children and so our life just goes on around us as as we, you know, as we do our life and as I come to work mm. in this role and when I was a CEO um, at Pakenham, um, life happened. We, you know, I ran the core. Uh, we ministered to people. I ministered to people um, I did the normal, the normal ministry work that officers do. I, I conducted weddings. I, we, I conducted funerals. I, yeah. I, I worked in the community. I connected with schools. We raised money, ran Sunday services, and all of those things. That I think, maybe, on the outside, people think, oh yeah, that's what an officer does. And at the same time, just doing all the normal things like making school lunch and yeah. taking kids to basketball practice and getting my car serviced and just all the normal, <laughs> just all the stuff yeah. that makes up life. So sometimes I just feel like my life's really ordinary. But because I've worked for the Salvation Army for such a long time, um, maybe I've just become accustomed to the Salvation Army now, life, you know. So you're a single spouse officer. I am, uh, yes. You're the first, I believe. Isn't I am right? the first commissioned yeah. single spouse well, officer. Does that provide or bring about any challenges for uh, you? Probably, but if it does, I don't really know what they are because I don't have any, I don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that's fair enough. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've never had any expectation um, that, you know, that my husband will be uh, preaching the following Sunday or, um, yeah. you know, doing any of those things. So when he um, signed up the agreement, I guess, when I became an officer, um, the agreement was really that he would just support whatever, you know, whatever we would do together or whatever the army would do with me. Um, so essentially I'm an officer on my own. That's, I mean, that's the reality of it. That's yeah. how it works for me. Um, and, and he has his own, um, business. He's a plasterer and, uh, he's a tradie and he works, you know, tradesman's hours. 
Um, yeah. And he's a very practical kind of guy. So, yeah, it's – I guess it is different. It is different. I mean, when I was a, when I was a core officer, I, I did every single thing um, as a core officer and, and I guess there are lots of single officers who do those things. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, it's just – I guess my life as an officer is just the way that I have become accustomed to, to my officership being and I, I really like it and I can't imagine – I can't imagine doing anything else. Yeah, that's good. Andrew, when I first met you, it was in South Australia. Yep. And you were doing PR and you've been doing PR for a long time, yep. although you are very young. <laughs> and it was your second time doing PR, which you also did for a long time, but you're still very young. What, when you started out in ministry, did you have in your mind, I'm going to be a core officer and I'll do that forever? Because um, you're now in a very different role here um, at THU. So when someone says, if I ask you the question, what is it like being a Salvation Army yep. officer? Can yep. you explain the breadth of what that even means? Uh, look, I think it's always going to be a struggle to uh, express the breadth of it because you will hone in on what has it actually been for you, not necessarily thinking about what might still be or what are yet the possibilities. Mm. I think my initial description is that it's a journey. And it encompasses anything that is life, but uh, it has such a breadth by way of the emotion. So it can have highs and lows and everything in between. It can be a bit like Sonia said, it's the ordinary and it's it's just what we do and it's what we've known. And having been an officer for, you know, 30 odd uh, years, uh, I don't know a great uh, deal different. Did I have an expectation of being just a core officer or anything else? I, I think that there was, to some degree, an innocence or a naivety at 19 years old uh, and a belief that I would just be whatever it was that God required of me to be. And and I still, to some degree, live that out. You know, there are times when I've said, I don't see myself doing this and ended up actually in that. So PR was one of those responsibilities, but I've always held for myself that it was about doing the best that I possibly could for the kingdom in my service, in my ministry, in my equipping that God would have for me. Mm. And, and accepting that whatever the appointment process is, there isn't actually a place that God can't use me and that there isn't a place that ministry can't be found. But sometimes that's about me actually finding it even amongst the routine of a particular role. Yeah. So both on uh, THQ staff at the moment and both come from, have done a core experience, divisional experience, what is... And social program experience. Social like program. My first appointment was three years in a detention centre for youth. Like it doesn't come more varied, you know. Yeah. When you talk about being in core, I think every one of those has had a community uh, centre type of focus. So every one of them has had emergency relief for me. You know, yep. one of those in a country appointment for four years also had supported accommodation services uh, amongst uh, I think four or five core appointments I, over a 10-year period of time, did industrial chaplaincy. Over two of those core appointments, I was a part-time prison chaplaincy. I, I think a part for me, though, was always wanting to not lose touch with reality 
uh, that was for people within the community. Mm. So I've always attempted to have some interaction with community that was not just about being isolated by the appointment, whether that was in PR or whether that was in core, which it could be very easily to easy to do. So would you describe officership as freeing? I think it can be if you hold a mindset to that. Yeah. If you if you want to feel constricted as though someone else pulls the strings and you go where you're told and you do what you're told, um, it will be that. If you allow yourself to be uh, living within a freedom that God gives you equipping yeah. and you bring focus to that, you know. So uh, um, I find it difficult at times when people want to say, you know, I'm constricted by the fact that there's a great deal of administration or whatever else. Um, I have taken a, a viewpoint that God gives me particular giftings. I have a responsibility to ensure that the best that I possibly can, that I exercise those giftings in whatever appointment that I have. Mm. So now, that same question for you about freeing, you said that you are a single officer in that sense. Do you, do you find it freeing, restrictive, um, life-giving sort of? I've never felt restricted in my officership at all and... Um... I can't even think of a time really where um, we've ever, I've never not been able to pursue anything that I've wanted to do that um, even in any of the projects that we've wanted to push forward with. I'm just thinking back, you know, when I worked, I'm working children's team now, but when we worked territorial youth team, we never, you know, there's, or sometimes there's a, Maybe there's a, a thinking that that the Salvation Army says no to lots of things. I've never had, I've never had lots of no's. You know, yeah. I've never had no's in yeah. my face. I've always been allowed yeah. to, you know, do the things that we want to well, do. I think sometimes or, we get um, tied down by our own, I guess, lack of ability to innovate and yeah. to sort of create in whatever appointment we have. And and you know, we talked about all the, the range of appointments today. Um, but you can create the very best out of that, which is life-giving, not only to yourselves, but to, to other people as well. Yeah. And mm. when, yeah, when I've needed, um, space and time to, to attend to things, things in my life or, um, things have cropped up and, or health, health issues or things were needed to attend to with family, mm. um, the flexibility is always there. It's never, it's never been problematic. Um, for me, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of freedom for me to to do ministry and and even in a, in a territorial appointment, there's freedom to to find pastoral ministry and to engage in that wherever I am. Yeah, it's good. I think too. There, I mean, there are elements that might um, have a constraining nature, but not to the point that it stops you from being able to do anything. I think from my perspective, it is about the fact that you have responsibility, but with responsibility comes accountability. 
So even though, you know, going back to my earlier officership, there might have appeared to have been a rigidity about, you know, expectations of what program might look like in core. And so you might have had an, uh, been expected to have, you know, the whole range, you know, so that there would be Sunday school and primary before that and junior soldiers and core cadets and women's ministries, etc. But even as time has gone on, I think that leadership have seen it's about what is actually going to work within your community and you being able to work within the resources by way of personnel or uh, volunteers within your core and being able to do that. But they actually want to see growth. They want to see something happen. So if you're working accountably uh, and responsibly, they're never going to get in the way of that. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, it's true if, you, if you're productive and, um, you know, I, I like the idea of the ability to do what the community response, you know, like we can make community responses wherever we are. And it doesn't need to be just in core appointments or a chaplaincy appointments or it can be, it can be kind of anywhere. Um, just a question that sort of pops to my mind is what, what do you think the army will look like in 10 years time? No, what do you want it to look like in 10 years time? Do you think, um, you know, from, from your own perspective in the ministries you're involved in now, um, there's a lot of movement in the organisation, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of great um, stuff happening right around the country. Um, do you have a, a thought on that? Happy to bypass it or edit it out, but do you yep. have you got a thought on what the army will look like in ten? What you hope it'll look like in ten years' time? I, I mean, I there are words that come to mind for me that have their own pictures. Yep. Um, I, I will want to see and desire to see inclusiveness yep. and. That goes right across a very wide gamut. You know, yep. I think it can be too easy for us to narrow a focus and be scared about an inclusiveness of other cultures, of other, uh, the diversity of people's living circumstances, or even thinking about their sexuality, rather than just being a people who love without limits. Yeah. Um, I love the thought, and it's captured somewhat in um, in some of our mission imperatives, I love the thought of people flourishing, um, that people having a vibrancy and life about them rather mm. than it seeming that uh, Christianity or the church um, puts weight upon people that um, makes life heavy. You know, I mm. want to see something that's fr freeing and people being able to uh, live out life in all of its fullness. Yeah, yeah. that's good. What about you, Son? I think, um, I think the, I guess the nature of of what our what 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 we are our core communities look like now i think that's that's going to look completely different <laughs> yeah um i see more i see more alternative communities more intergenerational spaces mm -hmm. more um more multicultural communities um just more coming together i think across um more integrated spaces uh, and more and even sort of messier, yeah, messier looking yeah. 
messier looking communities good. and more experimental. Have you guys come across any of the stuff that's happening in New South Wales with the communities of hope? Yeah, communities of hope. Yeah, and, and I the, think that's brilliant. and the tables. Like yeah. And the, yeah, that kind of stuff. I think it's kingdom tables. Kingdom tables. Yeah. Something else and something else, but it's that it kind of this. It's okay mm-hmm. to for the expression of who we are to be different and to mm-hmm. be capture. Yeah. You know the needs of our community, and and for those that are um, amongst us already, for them to be able to grow and live out their faith and yeah. experience, and, and for service. us to have some kind of new revelation of hospitality, I think is yes. is something, something, yeah, <laughs> yeah. needs to happen, or, or maybe God's, you know, God's calling us to something new in that space. Yeah, I think so. It I is. want, I want, I want that. Yeah, I think even yeah. a starting point for me is to actually see people first of all as people. Like we can have a tendency to label people often by their circumstances rather than actually seeing them as another human encounter. So, Well, we build programs around that though, don't we? Yes. But but it starts even with us uh, changing something of our language. So it's not asylum seekers and refugees, but it's people who are seeking asylum, people who are seeking refuge, so that we actually see the person first. Cast your minds back to the beginning when you you were obviously 18, uh, preparing to go to college, um, and Sonia, you were at Preston or were at uh, Box Hill at that time, preparing for full-time ministry. And you know the the idea of the of these sort of conversations is for people to explore ministry. Mm-hmm. What is if someone had just pulled you aside and said, "When you become an officer, you just need to know this." What was the one thing that someone, if if somebody said something to you, what is or something that nobody said to you that you would pass on to the next person? I'm not sure so much if it it, it was about what people said as what I observed yep. uh, often yep. in my growing up um, through various activities within the Salvation Army. It was the fact that I saw uh, often people who loved unconditionally. And uh, so for me, it instilled a desire to sort of do that. You know, sometimes our language talks about the gospel and social justice or the gospel and our social program work. And I say, it's all the gospel. Yeah. You know, I yep. I never saw a separateness uh, of it. Um, I think the one thing, though, that uh, I do remember somebody in a lift, a visiting person to the training college saying to me, and they didn't know me from anyone, but it was almost like a God message for me where they said, don't lose your sense of humour. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think it's about still be real, you know, yeah. be who yep. God has created you to be. Don't think you have to be fashioned into a picture that you actually see of someone else. God has actually created you in your uniqueness yeah. and actually just wants you to live out that in service for him, in ushering in the kingdom. Yeah, great. Sonia, what about you? You, Anyone give you any pearls of wisdom, advice? Uh, along the way? Maybe they didn't, but I just thought, or perhaps something that you would suggest to people that are listening who may be exploring ministry. I just, no, not that anyone gave me any pearls of wisdom um, because it took me a long time, you know, to to eventually become commissioned. I wasn't 
commission till I was 37. Um, but I always worked, you know, for the Salvation Army. But I think one of the things that when I, I think I said something about officership sort of being just part of my life or being ordinary, but as an officer, there's just, I guess, in, just in ministry, not just in, in officership, sometimes you just have to do really boring stuff, you know, really, really um, the stuff, I guess, I guess it's servant stuff, you know, you just have to do those things and... Like foundational stuff, you mean, or just... Yeah, like, like you're a core officer and, or a, doesn't matter what the role is, but um, I've... I, I say these kind of things, I guess, in, in years and years of leadership of young people, you're, you know, you're the first one there and you're the last one to go home. You're, mm. that, you're, you're those things, you know, yep. um, you're in the, there's no one to be in, in the work in the kitchen or whatever. And so you're, you're doing some of those Cause, things, cause you know. You are a servant first. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the, and uh, when I envisage myself as an officer when I was about 12 or 13, I only ever saw myself on the platform. I remember like being a child, you know, I only ever saw myself preaching. Okay. I love preaching, but you don't always get to do that. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it takes about 27 minutes, you know, <laughs> if you like, if you can go for that long, like it's, it's not very long. Yeah. Like, there's so much more stuff to do during the week than just yeah. do your sermon. If that's, it's just, so much more than that. Um, so there's all these other things that encompass the life of ministry and some of them are so unseen. And they're the, they're the things that you've got to get good at doing because they're the things that are going to be sustaining and help you form um, Christ, that, like Christ's going to form in you doing those other things that are unseen. Yeah, and it's the it's the slog, you know, like I'm sure when – did you, you remember you were my core cadet teacher? Yes, I was. Your, I was your leader. So that wouldn't have been helpful, <laughs> but it was. Forming, it would have been hard that formed work. Christ in me, Matt. <laughs> it certainly formed something in me. Anyway, it, but there's that, that whole thing of, um, you know, like it's just stuff like that. Like, yeah. but uh, but I remember that, and I yeah. remember people along the way that invested in me for different reasons. Um, that wasn't on their job description. It wasn't in their, you know, their, maybe their must dos, but it was something that who they were. They bought into ministry, um, and that continued on. Yeah, that was. Yeah. They were the days. Yeah. Do they still make you clean the college? Like, do you still have to do the no. house duties in the college? No. No. no it's I all be- done. I believe not. I believe not. But there is a sense that it's whole of life. It's all-encompassing, isn't yeah. it? And and yet, um, is that not the same for anyone in ministry, whatever ministry looks like? You know, there's still the mundane, the day-to-day. Yeah, the... It's, that's but, what the life is. But my thing is, is that too. people who are who work in a bank and they've got kids and or if they're plumbers and got kids or if whatever work they do, you know, there is work, the whole work-life balance is, I think it's a bit of a mystery mm-hmm. if it's, if it, in fact, it's just not true. Um, and I think that ha- applies in ministry. Mm-hmm. We talk about, i got to have work-life balance. and But now, I think now we move away from officership being a job to you are released and you are freed to, to be, it's who you are. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily what you do. Um, and, I, and I think that's really like vital. So how do you guys, do you do anything outside, whatever, outside the army? You know, I mean, obviously you don't just spend all your time in here, but do you, what do you do for kicks? <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, relationships and close relationships coffee. are important. That's what you do. So coffee, you do coffee. is important to me. Yes. Uh, but 
But part of that is also even the privileged element for me because at times it is a pastoral uh, interaction or it's just doing life with other people. And, you know, I'm grateful for that having been the part a part of it. But for me, there have been other activities and they have either been emphasised at times because of opportunities or they haven't. So, you know, cycling at times in the past has been important for me, you know, particularly in Adelaide where there was a bunch of guys that it was just about spending time together and doing something that we enjoyed. And you were even out there for a while and we're doing was, very well. And then I put an 1100 motor on mine and yeah. I don't have to worry about that yeah. anymore. <laughs> Um, I found pedalling was just too hard. Yeah. So (laughs) it it, it has changed at times, you know. For many, many years, I would just join a local volleyball team. So I was just Andrew in amongst a group of other people. Uh, I wasn't... You know, major. You know, I wasn't the chaplain of the uh, volleyball team. No, no, no. Um, So it it has been about those sorts of things. I think for me, it's important that you actually don't lose yourself. Lose yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, son? What do you do for kicks? Um, I don't have a lot of free time. I don't have a lot of free time, but (laughs) but the the social the social and recreational life lives of my kids provide me with other adult relationships, new new ones. So that's really good. So my involvement through school, two schools, um, and these new groups of people who I don't know and who don't know who I am and who don't really understand, like, that I'm an officer and that doesn't mean anything to them. It's great. So it's just, I'm just, I'm just as ordinary as the next, yeah. as the next um, school parent. Um, so it's great for me to be to be involved um, in in their lives and um, do some social activities and and also coffee <laughs> with them. Oh, and, coffee again. And yeah, and with my kids and what they're involved in, you know, outside of school. So that that's just really helpful for me to just to, to connect. It's just a whole other world of not church, you know, yeah. not not ministry life, yeah. um, and people who are who don't understand the machinations of the church. It's great. Okay. Okay. And and it changes as life goes on. So, you know, I, I likewise have been a part of, you know, going to activities with my kids, whether it's been sporting, but, you know, you talk about being able to spend time with people over coffee. It gets great when you can do that with your kids too. We're, We're still on milkshakes. Yes. Yeah. It'll come. It'll come. Fascinating conversation. Thank you. What, um, I guess, you know, this is all practical stuff in, in many ways about, you know, the, the realities of ministry. But in terms of your spirituality, how do you, as a constant, how do you nourish that? Um, and I recognise that it is busy and it's you might be amongst it all day, and but there is still that sort of desire to grow um, spiritually and be sort of nourished in that way. What, what, what do you do? Have you got any practical things you could sort of offer to people who maybe find themselves in the same position, just, you know, so much going on and trying to find a, a good rhythm um, to to live by. Have you got something? I think one of the things for me that I have tried to convey to people is to not be afraid of that actually changing over time. You know, some people, we talk about, you know, 
rhythms or being in a rhythm, but yep. but sometimes the impression that people get is that there is a rhythm and unless I actually follow that rhythm, then I haven't got it right. And I want yeah. to probably say everything is right. You know, there are times when it might be that so a particular... find what works for you. Yeah, that yep. a particular author helps in that. Or, you know, I, I remember taking a pattern for a number of years and to some degree still do something of this where it is actually just reading large portions of scripture, but not just doing it for the sake of it that I can tick a box that sort of says, you know, I read all of that chapter, but actually stopping and what jumps out at me. What is God actually saying to me? And what's the takeaway for me? What's going to be different in Andrew's life out of this encounter with God on this occasion? And how does that fashion me and take me to where God wants me to be? Yeah. About you, son? I still read the Bible. Um, (laughs) That's good. I read on my iPad now. um, And sometimes I, sometimes I do a like I'd follow a reading plan, like with the Devo that comes, that's part of an app. I have a, like, I have quite a few apps, but more often than not, I just read. Um, I'm reading, I'm reading first and second Peter at the moment. Um, I was reading actually yesterday, I think Mel Davies has just written in Others magazine, a, um, I guess a bitey little article about, you know, Australian salvos don't read, and as a movement, we're not we're not great readers. You know, yeah. um, that is true. And we're not well. I don't. You know, like yeah. by and large, we're not great consumers of of literature or of of you know theological books or whatever. And and we're not great at reading the word. What does he both set on? Like, not probably not. Oh, I think he might have been talking it's, it's about his experience of, oh, okay. of liter- literary council and, and yep. his experience of being editor-in-chief and just and just the culture, you know, in which we live. But I've, I mean, I've always been a reader of the scripture. Some of you, some people might know my story. I've, you know, I'm, I've memorised scripture and I've read the Bible a number of times, but the discipline for me is just to always keep reading the word, never to be kind of, yeah. I guess, sidetracked by thinking that I need to consume all of these Christian books, like lots and lots and lots of great authors of other Christian books, but always come back and read the word, you know. So over my lifetime, have like read the entire Bible, you know, a number of times. So so even if I only read, you know, 10 verses or 12 verses or whatever, I just want to continue to discipline myself to read the text all the time yeah. rather than get sidetracked by yeah. someone's interpretation of the yeah. text. So that's always my, that's kind of always my go-to. Um, it just gets more fun reading it on the iPad <laughs> and being able to highlight it. Do it in different colours. Yeah, and yeah so. all that. So um, that I don't know if you guys better. know, have met Major Howard Smart. So he, yes. he, he said something to me once this year that kind of stuck with me. He said, oh, about reading slowly. You know, yes. like instead of that sort of, oh, I've got to read Genesis chapter yeah. 18 today, like, just read it slowly. Just let it kind of sit there. Yep. Um, take time. Yeah, take yeah. time. And it kind of, it did, it, it was helpful for me because I thought actually sometimes I do just. Yeah. yeah take, and the other thing is like, is to actually read read it out loud. Because yeah. like, you know, how yeah. dare you have to like listen to the sound of your yeah. own voice. It's but. weird on the bus, but it, it works all right. No one sits <laughs> next to you. You've got somewhere to put your bag. You always get a seat, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's always a showstopper when you just say, I'm about to read what Jesus said and people go, what? Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, that's what I do. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, anything you would 
like obviously I've said this a number of times, but we're trying to uh, create environments for people who are exploring ministry. Is there anything, any word you would leave us with for people that are considering ministry in the, within the Salvation Army? I think for, for me, I still come back to a, a point that I made at the beginning that I had settled in my mind that I wanted to uh, be obedient to God and the bringing in of the kingdom of God and that that's number one for me and that I need to be true to myself but also uh, find where ministry is for me in yep. whatever appointment that might be. Um, and, uh, I mean, I've personally found that that's always been the opportunity that I've had, you know, nobody gets in the way of that. Um, yeah. And you don't need to um, feel constrained within that. So, you know, e even practically, I will say to people at times in a, in sort of coaching, there might be stuff that you really struggle to do. You know, there are people that administration is, you, you know, the hardest thing for them. So do it, but make sure you've programmed in something that's good for you and that's life-giving for you uh, that follows that. So it almost becomes your reward and lifts you up again as well. I'd just be, just be diligent and obedient locally, doing stuff at your core locally. Just keep, keep plowing, <laughs> plowing along wherever you are, whether you're, um, whether you're a soldier at your core doing something locally or working in a, um, working at a doorways or whatever you're doing, mm. just, just keep on doing it, Yeah, you know, and let that, that leadership and that calling and everything develop in you, um, the right time will, you know, will sort of eventuate and the rest will, the rest will sort itself out, I think. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. It's been a great, uh, conversation and hear your insights and your, breadth of experience. So um, we look forward to uh, seeing the conversations that take place post this and there'll be interactions, obviously. So I would encourage you, if you've got questions, you can uh, jump on the Facebook page and uh, shoot them off or, um, you know, follow these guys up personally. Um, I'm sure they'd love to answer your questions. Uh, Captain Sonia Jeffrey and Major Andrew Craig, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for more about officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore officership further, please speak to your local corps officer or candidate secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?